Hello, this is Susan. Hey, it's Melissa. Hey, Melissa. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Kayla Gordon, Jeep Roberts, and Susan Bolio have started a journey, shaking loose from depression, addiction, and dissociation, and walking with more laughter, lightness, and love. They struggle with the same difficult feelings many of us have, but this is the story of their work to heal. They are acknowledging the trauma that was passed down to them as children. And they're noticing how adverse childhood experiences, or ACEs, have shaped the way they act and react in their lives. When I learned about ACEs, that was the big question. So now what? What do I do? We start, because of COVID, on a Zoom call. Susan Bolio from the Red Lake Nation is telling Kayla Gordon and me about how hearing angry people arguing has always been a trigger for her. Now, listening to an argument can be upsetting for a lot of people. But for Susan, it's more than that. And one time, actually, when I was going through the mind-body medicine training, they have this yes or no activity. So you partner up with someone, and um, one person says yes, and one says no. I'm imagining something like yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. When you get louder and louder and louder. And even as they were explaining what we were going to do, I could feel myself getting anxious. And then we started the activity and the room got loud. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. And I looked at my partner and I just started bawling. I was shaking. I, I couldn't, I literally couldn't do it. And I had to leave the room. Like I was like facing a window trying to dissociate and check out, you know, my typical. And one of the facilitators who was facilitating my group for that week came over. She saw me. She brought me to a different room and we did some practices to help me come, come back down. But my whole body was just shaking. I'm wondering why is this so upsetting? Like that response in me was from that child who was in those environments where that screaming and fighting always meant it was dangerous. Someone was going to get hurt. Mm, Makes sense. Susan explains to me and Kayla that when you're in that kind of traumatic danger a lot as a kid, your brain and your body develop a particular way to respond. The brain's neural pathways, the actual connections in the brain, can develop so that angry arguing, for example, triggers fear and anxiety. So even years later, when you're an adult in a safe environment like Susan at this workshop, you're triggered or activated. We're we're right there. We're back in it. We flipped our lids. That neural pathway just lights up. Your brain and your body respond the same way as if you were still a kid. It's like part of your brain enters a time machine and travels back to childhood. And that can be a real problem, especially if you don't know that it's happening. Like you're this capable, smart, strong adult, but part of your brain has you convinced that you're still a scared, small child. We're just like in this constant loop. We're not aware of what we're doing. Susan knows that that angry arguing is a trigger, or as she puts it, it activates her nervous system. But what about Kayla? Kayla, if you don't mind me asking, like, Mm -hmm. is there something you know is a trigger? No. I'm still trying to figure it out, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, there's times where I feel like I can't get a deep breath. Yeah. I've asked my doctor, she's like, well, that's just your anxiety, that's a trigger, and like, I won't even know what, why. Yeah, it feels like just part of the process, figuring that out. I'm learning all the time, still learning new things. There's a pretty famous therapist named Gabor Mate, and he describes it like this. We are traumatized when we remain fearful or embittered 
after the threat has passed, when we are defensive or aggressive in the absence of present danger, or when we are in chronic pain, when nothing in the moment is jabbing us. So here's a question. What do you do about that? So it is this constant practice of recognizing when that happens and then like calm yourself, remind yourself that you're not a three-year-old little girl or a six-year-old or eight or whatever it was, that right now you are safe, you are okay. Kayla and Susan both say they use meditation to calm themselves. When I'm doing that, I like to picture myself in my favorite place, like my favorite calm place. And so I love being next to Lake Superior, like just sitting on the beach and listening to the waves. Kayla's a member of the Red Cliff Band of Ojibwe, and she grew up on the reservation, right on the shores of Lake Superior. I remember that was always my spot, too. When I lived there, I just walked down. When I was sad or something, I'd go sit on the beach. So I always picture myself there. Yeah. So let's try a little meditation. Susan suggests something called soft belly meditation. I use it like with my kids when I'm feeling like upset or frustrated or whatever. I use it when I'm feeling just overwhelmed. Susan Bolio leads mind-body workshops for tribal organizations and communities. She teaches meditation and other methods of attuning your mind and your body. So we're going to give it a try. So it's a really simple um, breath practice that helps us to regulate our nervous system. Susan says the belly breath works because we all have a nerve that runs from the brain, around the heart, and the stomach. It's called the vagal nerve. And so when we take this deep breath into the belly, what it does is it activates that vagal nerve, which sends the message back to the brain that we're physically safe. Because if you're running for your life or you're fighting for your life, you can't take that slow, deep breath into the belly. So then the brain gets that message and then it helps to regulate the nervous system. It helps bring your brain out of the time machine and back to the present day where you can remember that you are strong and smart and safe. So I thought maybe we could just start with that. Does that sound okay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, dear listener, can do this with us. See if you like it. It'll just be a couple minutes. If you're driving, don't close your eyes. Maybe you could even pull over in a safe place. So you all look like you're in a pretty comfortable position. But if there's any way that you want to, like, get your body a little bit more comfortable, you can do that. If closing your eyes feels good, you can close your eyes. Otherwise, just having a soft gaze down at the floor or table or whatever's in front of you. We just want to minimize any distractions that are around us. So I like to start my meditations by taking a a grounding breath. And so I do that by, we'll take a deep inhale in through the nose. And then a long, slow exhale out through the mouth. And then as you continue breathing at whatever pace is comfortable for you, just bring that breath deep into the belly. Just slowly expanding the belly like a balloon, breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. And if it's helpful for you, you can think soft as you're breathing in. and belly as you breathe out, just to help you keep your focus on your breath. We just keep breathing, in through the nose, out through the mouth. 
I can feel a huge relief when I exhale all the air out of my belly and my chest. And if you notice your mind starting to wander, which you probably will at some point, the mind is used to being able to freely wander. Just gently bring your focus and attention back to your breath. Thinking soft as you breathe in through the nose and belly as you breathe out through the mouth. We keep this up for a few minutes. I'm going to play a little nice music for you here so you can relax and breathe with us. Just see how it goes in through the nose, out through the mouth. breathing, a few more breaths. We'll close with just another nice grounding breath into the nose. So exhale out through the mouth. to come back to the space yeah you can open your eyes so just taking a moment to sort of pause and notice like how do you feel how does your body feel how is your mind how are your emotions and any shifts from before we started to now yeah I really try to uh, like notice your smells notice like the wind on your arms and just small things mm-hmm. unclench your jaw Put your shoulders down, you know. Yeah. Let your arms loose. And then, yeah, you notice all that tension that you've had. Yeah. I know for me, I was really noticing after maybe a minute, all of the tightness I was holding in my legs. Mm -hmm. You know, this sort of like clenching and just like relax, release. I just learned about meditation a year ago or so. And um, it made me realize how disconnected I was to my body before it was just like I'm fine everything's fine (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think that sort of like holding tension was such a normal for me it was just normal it felt normal and so when you do the meditation and your body actually starts to relax you're like oh I didn't realize that I was holding tension here or here Mm -hmm. Susan says she learned about meditation in classes but I wonder where Kayla picked it up where did you learn that where did you pick that up reading And uh, my therapist, when I used to see her, she taught me some stuff, too. That's great. Kayla says she started seeing a therapist when she broke up with her boyfriend, Curtis. They'd been together for nearly seven years, and they have a son together. I know I was really codependent on Curtis. That was my family, Curtis and my son. Yeah. Kayla's parents had struggled with addiction most of her childhood, and her mom passed when Kayla was just 17. Kayla says Curtis was her whole life when they were together. And did that become a problem? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. I was depressed and had bad anxiety. And like if I was down, I felt like I needed him, you know, to help me. Like wow. he was my happiness. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. 
I know it was hard on him. You know how people say, yeah. you need to love yourself first. Yeah. I mean, it sounds dumb, I guess, to someone. And But once you learn that, it actually, you know, you really do need to love yourself first. Because if you don't, you're going to project it onto your partner. Yeah. But she says learning to love herself this way was really hard at first. You have to really, like, deal with your raw emotions. Mm-hmm. I know I quit drinking for a while, too, just so I could do that for myself. Yeah. Being able to feel it and get through it instead of covering it up. Yeah. The best question to ask is not always, does this feel right? Because if if we're going by what feels good or feels right, we're going to tend towards those old patterns. Mm-hmm. If we want to change out of that, we have to be able to be in the discomfort of something new, yeah. new ways of thinking, new ways of feeling, and stay in that discomfort long enough that then pretty soon that becomes comfortable for us. They both agree that meditation is incredibly helpful, but it's not like it's a cure-all. It feels like a, a process that you continually pick up tools. Yeah. You know, you get triggered, you come back, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, all the time. Like, I feel like I'm doing good and, you know, progressing and healing. And then, you know, there's a trigger and then I'm like, oh, no, I'm back here. Yeah. But, you know, you just push yourself and use the new skills that you learned to get past it. You know, Caleb, what we're doing is we're, we're trying to wire in new neural pathways. Mm-hmm. Certain neural pathways were wired in when we were younger, which then create this sort of like activation when certain things happen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Susan says she's been doing this for five years now. So awareness, it starts, it's it starts small. And when we do meditation practices, it's the awareness of this breath. And now the awareness of this breath. And that's how you build it, like a muscle where you're learning to focus your mind and to stay present in that moment with everything that is. And she's noticing a huge difference. I've been able to to keep myself calmer in those situations and regulate my emotions and remind myself that I'm physically safe, that it's okay. Kayla's been working on this for four years. And because of her work, she's got a great relationship with her ex, Curtis. They're not together, but they co-parent their seven-year-old son with love and support for one another. We'll hear more about that in another episode. Kayla also cares for two other young adults who live with her. She has a full-time job, and she's a full-time student. She'll have her bachelor's degree in psychology this summer. Kayla is the first to say that she keeps working on this. But what an incredible success story. All right, talk to you guys later. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Next time, after Jeep learns all about ACEs and their impact, he decides what he's going to do about it. Join us next time. This is A Mile in My Moccasins on Niji Radio, serving the White Earth Nation. I'm Melissa Townsend. Shimigwech, and thank you to Kayla Gordon, Jeep Roberts, and Susan Bolio for sharing their stories. Kim Lage, KJ Henschel, Maggie Rosu, Leah Lem, and Aaron Warhol for editorial contributions, and Dan Luke for some of the music in our series. Programming is made possible through a grant to the White Earth Land Recovery Project from the Minneapolis Foundation Catalyst Initiative, and with support from Ampers, Diverse Radio for Minnesota's Communities. 
To hear more episodes in this series and to learn more about collective trauma, ACEs, or adverse childhood experiences, visit whiteearthhealing.org. That's whiteearthhealing.org.